0: Welcome to week six in the Resilient Catholics community. It is so good to be with you. I am bringing to you, all of you in your company, a focus on blending and unblending this week. We're working from pages 27 to 35 of our text, The Self-Therapy Workbook by Bonnie Weiss. And let's just get right into it. We're going to talk about blending. I'm going to give you a couple of different definitions of blending. So this is from Richard Swartz. He says that blending is, quote, the act in which a part takes over a person's seat of consciousness or self. Blending occurs along a continuum so that the self can remain present with some blending or can be obscured completely with full blending, end quote. And this is from Bonnie Weiss from our workbook. She says that, quote, a part is blended with the self when you are flooded with the feelings of the part in such a way that you aren't grounded, end quote. Now, I would say this is true of exiled parts, right? So if we've got a part that's got a lot of intensity and when that part blends, it floods with emotions, but it's not necessarily true of managers or firefighters or protectors, Right. Some parts may not be particularly emotional, so they don't flood with emotion. You know, if you think about our analytical parts or our conceptual parts, our judging parts, they may not have a lot of intense emotion. so we want to be careful not to just assume that flooding with emotion is the the key sign of blending. We could be blended with a part that kind of shuts us down emotionally, right? But, yeah, I mean, if we are flooded with the feelings of a part, we know we're blended, right That's true. She also says, That a sign of blending is when you are caught up in the beliefs of the part and you see things from that part's point of view, which is very true, right? If a part blends and takes over, you're locked on to its particular views and beliefs about the world. And then the third element she brings up is you are not separate enough from the part to be able to witness it or to be with it. And this also is very true and very important. We don't have perspective when we're blended. We don't have the capacity to see the part that's blending with us because we just feel like we are that part. That part seems to have taken us over, dominated us. So those two definitions. So let's talk about the self. Richard Schwartz discusses how the self is the seat of consciousness which is characterized by qualities such as perspective, presence, patience, playfulness, persistence, curiosity, creativity, calm, clarity, caring, connectedness, confidence, and compassion. The self is the only inner entity that is fully equipped to lead the internal family. Bonnie Weiss, in our chapter, says, quote, The self is the natural occupant of the seat of consciousness, end quote. That's on page 27. All right, so just a note here. Richard Schwartz says the self is the seat of consciousness. Bonnie Weiss says the self is the natural occupant of the seat of consciousness. So you can even see that well-known people in the field can disagree about these things because the natural occupant of the seat of consciousness is different than the seat of consciousness. But what I was going to say is that her pictures on page 27, where you can imagine the seat of consciousness as that nice armchair, I think really helped to clarify in a visual sense for those of us who are more visual learners, you know, what we are actually looking for, right? The self can take that position of being in the seat of consciousness, or the seat of consciousness can be taken over by a part in a blend. When you're blended, Bonnie Weiss tells us that a part takes over the seat of consciousness. and now. I say that part is driving your bus, right? When a part takes over, it's driving your bus. There's a little kid's book that my children really liked called Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus by Mo Williams, right? And so that's kind of where that came from, right? When yourself is blended with just one part and that blend is fairly complete, because remember, blending's on a continuum, you can be a little bit blended or you can be Very completely blended. So, when that blend is fairly complete with one part, your blended parts' emotions seem to be the only emotions. Your blended parts' beliefs seem to be the only beliefs. Your blended parts' memories seem to be the only memories. Your blended parts' opinions seem to be the only opinions. Your blended parts' desires seem to be the only desires. Your blended parts' impulses seem to be the only impulses. And your blended parts' image of God seems to be the only God image right? That's how complete those blends can be with that single part. But I want to also bring a little more nuance into this because I know you can all handle this. Blends are often with multiple parts at one time. So for example, we might see a blend of a whole management team, right? Which could be your primary manager. Let's just say that's an approval seeker and with an internal critic and with a Catholic standard bearer, all three could have taken over your system as a triumvirate, right? They're ruling together. And each manager in that blended management team brings its own emotions, beliefs, memories, opinions, desires, impulses, and God images into conscious awareness. Those can all be in conflict, right? So we can be blended with two parts who are playing out a conflict or a polarization. So, The drawings on page 27, they're really helpful to understand a simple blend with one part, but I just want you to know that in actual life, in actual situations, blends can often be more complex than just with one part and the self. Now, unblending happens when space is created between yourself and your target part, right? That's what's happening. Space is created. You, in yourself, invite the target part into a cooperative collaborative relationship with you as self, right? And this doesn't have to be anything like perfect. There doesn't have to be anything like perfect self energy here. You see if the target part is willing to be led and guided by yourself, the self, yourself is reaching out with an invitation to be in relationship with the target part. Yourself is offering to focus attention on your target part so that the target part doesn't have to be alone, doesn't have to be isolated. The critical thing here is that there not be an agenda, not trying to force the target part. If there's an agenda or there's an attempt to force the target part, that would be another part that's blended with its own agenda. Now, here's the question. How do you know when you are unblended? How do you know when you're in self? The eight C's, right? calm, curiosity, connection, compassion, creativity, clarity, courage, confidence. That's how we know was when we have those eight C's. Now, that doesn't mean that we're brimming with all of them simultaneously at every moment that we're in self, right? But that they're present and that we can access them if we need them. Reluctances to unblend. Why might parts be reluctant to unblend? First of all, Just a note that these reluctances to unblend are very common. Parts sometimes do not want to unblend. They sometimes do not want to separate from the self. And the reason always goes back to the conditions for secure attachment, right? Felt safety and protection, feeling seen, heard, known, and understood, feeling reassured, calmed, and soothed, feeling delighted and cherished and loved, and feeling that the other is seeking the highest good for me, right? Those five conditions for secure attachment it's some problem with those, which is why parts don't want to unblend. There can be confusion. There can be fear. You know, that that whole idea of like, hey, if, uh, if I unblend, you're going to push me aside. I'm going to be downsized. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to wind up in a worse place. You know, and then we need to reassure parts, right? That we work by invitation only. That I want a relationship with you, dear target part. That you can reblend at any time. You can go back to your old ways. But I'm offering you something new. I'm offering you a new opportunity. There might be a fear that you're going to do something unwise or imprudent, something that the part could prevent if it clung to the driver's seat of your bus, right? And there might also just be the comfort of the familiarity it knows, right? Your part knows how the how the drill goes in this old way of working. And even though it may not be working very well, like I said, there's that comfort the part may not see a viable alternative, the part may not see the good in unblending. We might need to do some, some kind of explaining about what good might come from that, right? And often there's a fear that another part will leap in and blend, or it may stay blended, right, if the target part unblends. We can always ask, what are you afraid of would happen if you did unblend? We can always ask parts, What are you afraid would happen if you did unblend? And they'll tell us usually if they feel safe enough, if they feel like there's enough of a relationship. Blended parts always get what they seek to avoid. Blended parts always get what they seek to avoid. For example, a part that does not want rejection in romantic relationships and so inhibits the ability to speak with potential romantic partners winds up getting rejected by potential romantic partners because there's not good communication, right? So inadvertently parts sabotage their own efforts. That always happens. All right. So I'm going to invite you to move to your brief discussion. What did you think of this talk? You know, we're going to talk about any insights and then we'll move on to our experiential exercise.